goal setting and basically just having a positive mindset to whatever you're going through. Uh, because that really helped me. We still, as real estate investors, can still get drowned in these tasks, uh, but we have to think of our goal. You're listening to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the number one resource for active duty veterans and their families who want to learn how to build real wealth through real estate investing. Each week, we sit down with top military real estate investors, industry experts, and leaders who share their secrets to success in the real estate game. Now, get off your ass, get motivated, and take action to make your financial freedom dreams a reality. Hey, ADPI Nation, Kevin here. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to take a moment to update you on all things ADPI. Whether you're a longtime listener or this is your first episode, you need to know that Active Duty Passive Income is more than just a podcast. With a free Facebook community of over 50,000 plus military real estate investors, a full service lending division powered by Amnet, a nationwide network of military investor friendly realtors, a growing whole life insurance division, and comprehensive single family and commercial multifamily investing academies and masterminds, ADPI is the hub for all things military real estate investing. Don't know where to begin? It's simple. Just head on over to www.militaryhousehacking.com to get a free copy of our number one best selling book to jumpstart your real estate investing career. Now, let's start the show. Hello, hello, ADPI Nation. Kevin Brenner here, host of the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. And today is a very special podcast for two reasons. Actually, a lot of reasons. But the first reason is that I am joined, obviously, by another amazing guest. And this amazing guest, little baby that you might be able to hear cooing in the background. So we have here Mason Alba Fonseca. Joined by his little baby Emiliano, who is how much? How old, Mason? Six uh, months. Seven months. Seven months. That was yeah. So I, I, you, you heard it here first. I guessed it first. I win. Uh, <laughs> now we are. We're also joined for the very first time, co-hosting this episode with me, the one, the only. You've seen her in the Facebook group, Chief Operating Officer of ActiveDutyPassiveIncome.com and all of Active Duty Passive Income, Victoria Griggs. Welcome. So glad yeah, to be here. We're 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 stoked to have you. Victoria is going to be appearing more and more on the podcast. You're going to hear her voice more and more as as we uh, continue to grow the show, and it, it's going to be really special. So I'm I'm stoked to have her, and also stoked to have Mason here. A little bit about Mason. We're going to be you know so for for listeners, yeah. if you're you're tuning in now, this episode. It's uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about short term rentals. We're going to be talking about an interesting part of the military that a lot of people don't know about, and that's the merchant marine career field and what that what that actually means, uh, because Mason is a merchant marine. And we're going to tell his story about how he was able to serve as a merchant marine and still serve uh, in, in, you know, in, in, in coordination with the Navy and, and the merchant marines and uh, how he was able to transition into real estate and start acquiring assets. And really one of those stories uh, that ADPI is all about, right? You know, it, it's about active duty service members and veterans uh, learning how to get into real estate and create cash flow for themselves and their families. And that's exactly what Mason is doing. So Mason, without further ado, welcome to the show. And thanks for bringing your your baby boy on because he is super yeah. cute. I know the listeners can't see him, but he's cute. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Kevin and Victoria. This is so happy to be here, and I've been a big fan of the podcast for many years. And they opened, you know, ADPI really opened my eyes to a lot of the different aspects of being a military service member and also being a real estate investor and sort of combining those those two worlds. And that's what I've done early in my career. So I'm just excited to share it with just with the guests here today. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into this and ask you, you know, I'm gonna pick the pick the low hanging fruit right here. What the heck is a merchant marine, man? I've been in the in the military for a long time. I don't know what that is. What what, what is yeah. that? Can you just explain this to me like I <laughs> oh God. Like I'm in the regular Marines. No, that's mean. Like <laughs> I <laughs> like before all the listeners start yelling at me, just explain to me like I am, you know, I have no idea about any of this and just break it down for me. Yes. So this is a conversation that we have often. So the merchant Marine is the industry. uh, And then we are merchant mariners. So oftentimes people get us confused with Marines, right? Semper Fi, all that. We instead uh, navigate and work on ships or shoreside capacities supporting the shipping industry. So the merchant Marine Academy is one of the five service academies that you know, you can go to. The interesting thing about it is that you can actually be an active duty officer in any of the five services. So, you know, you can go, you can graduate from there and take a five-year commitment into the active duty, you know, pipeline, just like a five-year commitment. And then the other option is being in the Navy Reserve as an IRR. So, so you're like a really, I don't know how to try to break it down to layman's terms, but basically you, you're supposed to be spending most of your time shipping out and then you have a, a 14 day annual ADT requirement. So, right. and then you keep up with your PFA and your documents and you have to hit a good retirement year. But some of our points are related to uh, upgrading our license within our designator or, you know, renewing your license, taking classes that are related to the shipping industry and supporting the Navy through merits, like basically maritime specific needs, you know, the sort of subject matter experts. So it's an interesting career path. And if you do, while you're at the academy, choose to go active duty in another service. I have plenty of friends that went all different services and you can do that too. So, it's, so, so you can you can go and and you're 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 serving. You're at the Merchant Marine Academy, and I'm picturing this. You know, my brother went to the Air Force Academy, so you're in you're, you're at a military academy. And then when you graduate, in theory, you can have a bunch of different people in all different type of graduation uniforms, or or I'm sure you have like a Merchant yes. Marine uniform. But everyone, you know, Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, yeah. You know, and but there's also an option to just say. Thank you for the degree. I will be a civilian, but I'm just going to do be a reservist for five years. Correct. Yes. So we have, we had to learn all the fight songs as part of like our our <laughs> freshman year. You know, we have to be a jack all right, of quiz all time trades. Air Force song. Don't Off do it. We to go me. into the wild, into the wild blue yonder. Okay. yonder. <laughs> okay. So you got it. Yeah, so see, you. I know these things. <laughs> that's as much so. as I know. So that's <clears> I've yeah. been for almost a day. The important part. Uh, <laughs> That's the important part. Exactly. All right. Awesome, Mason. So thanks for, thanks for breaking that down. Cause sure. again, I, you know, it's, it's so, it's so interesting. You know, we talk, you know, obviously active duty, passive income. We're not just active duty. We're veterans and military families and spouses. That includes the reserves as well. 
But there's so many different ways to serve in this country. And I would say that the Merchant Marine Way is, is a less lesser known path so that you may have inspired some listeners out here to take a take a look at that if they're looking at, at service academies. And you still commissioned as mm-hmm. a, as you know an ensign or second lieutenant or whatever service you choose, yep. correct? Correct. Okay. I'm right a on. lieutenant awesome. in the Navy Reserve currently. Okay. So you're, you're a lieutenant in the Navy Reserve right now. So yes. oh, oh, perfect. And that for folks, that's an O three. 3 So if, you know, comparing that, that's like a captain, Air Force and Army and Marine Corps and stuff like that. So Mason, talking and jumping into real estate, you had briefly touched on your experience with ADPI. Can, can you talk more about you, you know, making that, that transition and, and figuring out, okay, I'm a merchant Marine. Now what? And you started kind of, I understand that there was a very popular book that you read mm-hmm. that changed my life as well. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that kind of maybe been your had had been your catalyst to getting into real estate. Yeah. I mean, so just by story, while I was at the Merchant Marine Academy, my dad had, my stepdad had lost his job or not, was like sort of in retirement. So he started buying some of the properties like around 2012 that were from the Great Recession. So he started working on these. I was so busy at school getting getting uh, out to my first ship assignment. I was working for a company called Military Sealift Command, where you're basically a full-time government employee working on government ships. And I did learn a little bit from him as far as renovating houses. Like he was buying foreclosures and things. It didn't really, that's a, that's a lot of work. And as I went on my first two ships, I was sort of figuring out like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? I mean, I, I do like sailing. This definitely appeals to like sort of a younger generation. Get out there, make a lot of money, save your money. And then usually people blow it on things. And I started thinking, like, I don't really want to blow my money on a nice new car. Sure, like, surely not Ducatis. That would <laughs> no. be just insane and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I would see all sorts of stuff. People, people would, you know, make a lot of money on basically going on a ship is is essentially going on a deployment. And then you're in port for, you know, two or three months. And then you're back out to sea. So that they have to send their cars to like, storage. So... I don't understand. I didn't understand the concept of buying a nice expensive car except for feeding ego. But beyond that, there's, there's a lot of different things that I started think, you know, basically I call it sort of Providence. So I started out on my second ship. I went to San Diego and I uh, met up with an old friend and he introduced me to a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Never heard of it, never read it. So basically how it went is I was on that ship. We, we started our voyage over to, to Hawaii. We we're going to be the Hawaiian duty oiler, basically refueling Navy vessels off the coast of Hawaii for, you know, undetermined amount of time. Six months is what it ended up being or so. So basically, we left there in the summer of 2014. Yeah, 14. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, while I was there, and I, I just had this eureka moment. I was like, Robert Kiyosaki went to the Merchant Marine Academy. I'm in Hawaii. He's from Hawaii. Real estate, like I just, my eyes just started seeing things a lot differently. I would go on jogs and look at, you know, just running, looking at properties where I I would just pass by them. But I started seeing for sale signs, you know, just all these like little things just started keying in my head. Now I wasn't going to buy a property in Honolulu, but I was going through the process of analyzing deals or just thinking through things. And just, I just started consuming as much information 
So around my birthday, uh, you know, 2014, I started listening to a lot more podcasts. I, I listened to the Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad podcast, the real estate guys and Jason Hartman. So those are my three sort of mentors at the time. And basically on that first ship, I contacted Jason Hartman's team, which they specialize in turnkey real estate. And around Christmas, I was talking to the investment counselor. And then by the time we si- I signed off that ship in April, about a month later, I was in contract for my first like turnkey property in Memphis, Tennessee. So really a quick time. And then about a year later is when I closed on it because it was still being renovated and that sort of thing. I was buying it turnkey, tenant in place. And actually I was on a, my third ship and we were back in Hawaii. So I closed back. I closed on that on that first deal in Hawaii. And that's an, another thing about my story. I've closed on the properties I've purchased in different place each time. It's not at home. It's not at my local bank or, you know, they've been all over the world. So that's mm-hmm. a little... Mm-hmm basically intro to to my real estate investing uh, journey. And, and just to uh, catch some of our listeners up who might not be familiar with Turnkey, I remember Turnkey is, is, is named that way because it's a property where you turn the key in the door and it's ready to go as an investment. Everything's, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's probably not going to be furnished, but, you know, everything's ready. It doesn't need any work. You know, it's, it's ready to be listed, ready for photos, get it up get a tenant in it. And a lot of these uh, turnkey companies that are out there, effectively what they do, and, and Mason can't speak for for Jason Hartman specifically, but my hunch here is that what what they do is they go and find properties and they, they effectively flip them. They do all the renovations and they get it going. And then they go and sell those properties as turnkey investments to investors like you. And then they they also, a lot of them do in-house property management. So they handle who's in there and everything. From an investor standpoint, it's it could be a really good option, especially if you're, you know, you're in a market like I am in Washington, DC, where the numbers don't necessarily make sense. You can go buy a couple turnkeys and, you know, Indianapolis or something like that, or, or Memphis, like you said, where the numbers are, are better, and then you have the uh, the systems built into place. So, if, if folks listening to this podcast are interested in Turnkey, you know we have recently minted a uh, a relationship with Rent to Retirement, uh, which is a fabulous organization run by an Air Force veteran who has, I mean, gosh, they have they have inventory like I've never seen before. Definitely check them out, uh, renttoretirement.com slash adpi, but. Mason, so you purchased this this deal in Memphis, and then you went back out on the ship, right? Like, I mean, yeah, was it cash flowing for you? Yeah, it was cash flowing day one. Uh, two thousand fifteen was a big year, turning point. I I knew at the beginning of the year, like I'm going to start in real estate. I I, I met my wife in two thousand fifteen. I worked like over two hundred and fifty days on ships that year. It was a long year. She stuck with me uh, through that first through the third ship. And during the third ship, I was, you know, on off time, I was listening to podcasts, I was analyzing deals, I was getting in contract for the next property. So that was, that's sort of my game plan. Once I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, my game plan was go on a ship, save money, buy a property, repeat, at least to get to number, to get to three properties was my goal. Because you have one property, it's, you know, and you have a vacancy, you have uh, zero, you know, zero rent coming in. So the three properties as, and as it stands there in Memphis do help support each other. 
Just for instance, this past month, I had a tree fall on one of my properties during a big oh boy ice storm. Okay, so I just got the insurance you know, claim completed, but the thing was, is like the other properties rent that came in was a lot, was able to help with that expense. It was, you know, initially through the, through the property management portal, because they're just going to show a debt of say like $3,700 or something. It was pretty big, but you know, the property, the rents is covering for that. So I, I had to do make, make a little contribution on the front end. Um, but that's the key really to, to get number one and then try to get to number three was my game plan. And I do recommend that for some of my investor uh, friends who are wanting to get started. And I've, I've helped a number of my friends who are in the merchant marine industry, Navy class and classmates of mine start this process. Well, with at least property number one and th- using the same system I have. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's also interesting when you talk about properties at scale, the other benefit too, is usually you get lower property management fees. I mean, yeah. if you're, if you, if you have one single family deal property, you know, you're probably paying eight to 10% per month, but I can tell you for, for, you know, my quadplexes in Savannah, because I have two of them under the same management company, that's eight units. They charge me between six and 7%, which, which is, you know, great, you know, economies of scale. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's wonderful there as well. So, you know, you got, you got a couple of these, these properties, Mason, and you know, you met your wife, you're, you're on, you're underway for an incredible, almost three quarters of mm-hmm. the year, it sounded like, and come back and buying properties. But at some point you kind of switched jobs, no? Right. So I worked for a military sealift command for much of the first, uh, part of my career it be strictly because I mean I enjoyed the, the work I wanted to be in a in a consistent income sort of uh, you know job and this is a probably a good time to break down so like there's when you graduate you can go into you know sort of the similar path I did working for the company called military sealift command where you're a full-time government employee the other option the more typical laid-back option is what I'm actually am now which is the basically contract mariner or you work for a union. So is a more flexible schedule and you typically work on government, government contracted vessels or commercial vessels, you know, your tankers, your, your container ships, your roll on roll off vehicles that are bringing goods to us day in and day out. And then the other one is a company mariner. So say you work for Exxon, you know, you're, you're a full-time company employee. You can go work shoreside, you know, you stay within that company purview typically oil companies and and like offshore vessels do that. Uh, so that's just a little breakdown of where I was. So I started in this avenue. And then as my wife and I wanted to get married, have kids, I wanted to go to the more flexible option. And at that time, I had built up at least three properties with cash flow. And, you know, part of that is you have to manage your expenses, like sort of optimize your expenses. Because even though you're out on deployment or out, on a ship assignment, you do want to like not get your expenses too high so that when you come home, you're like forced to go out to sea again. And that was a thing, uh, basically a, a reoccurring theme I was seeing in my industry. So I, and a bosun once told me never live off your overtime. So that was some, mm-hmm. some sage advice. And it was also around the same time that I was reading in and, and learning. So in 2020 is when COVID happened, obviously. And I was 
taking courses to upgrade my license. I'm currently a second mate, which is essentially a navigator in uh, you know Navy SWO terms. So we're talking a commercial ship. It's like a, a fewer fewer number of people on the bridge of a ship. It's usually two or three people. So you have to take all these courses because you have to do a lot of jobs while you're, you know, while you're on the bridge of the ship, there's, there's not a person that handles each thing. So you have to literally know everything. So a lot of course courses, I took like around nine weeks of courses because I was going to upgrade my license to be a chief mate captain came home from the training COVID happened. And prior to prior to me going on training, we, we moved into a triplex and we were, we were house hacking it after learning what you all at ADPI were doing. I tried to you know do it myself. So I was analyzing deals in San Antonio. That's where we live, basically our local market. And so we did. So we house hacked through COVID. This triplex basically had low overhead. And I was finding ways to optimize the property because the previous owners, you know, had low rents. They had, you know, some delinquent tenants. So sure. it's basically an old house that's split in two. And then there's a cottage unit in the back. So immediately I was like, okay, we're going to rent this cottage unit eventually as an Airbnb. And so that's what we've been doing uh. since 2021. So, you know, the Airbnb, once you have a consistent, you know, income stream from, from Airbnb guests, like most of my guests have been long-term guests. They come here for, for uh, medical fields, for school, sure. field, you know, all, all the different, you know, great things about San Antonio. People need to come here and, and work in those fields. So I like providing the cottage there. And it's, if I was to long-term basically rent it, I would, pro- I would make half, but, and I was noticing that those tenants, they kind of didn't want to stay in a small 360 square foot place for, you know, for like for years year. on end. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> right, <laughs> we're, they're looking for short-term leases anyway. So I said, well, if I'm going to go short-term lease, might as well kind of do this within the Airbnb space. So I've only started Airbnb. I want to, try the other platforms. But I, as a, as a guest, I've, I've used Airbnb pretty much exclusively since, Mm -hmm. since I was on that ship in Hawaii, you know, I I would go use Airbnb on the weekends that we had off and I, I, you know, go to visit the islands using Airbnb, staying kind of building up a reputation. So that's initially where I started uh, basically growing out that side. So the triplex was, it's definitely a blessing in disguise 2020 in a way. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I, you know, I can't imagine you got, you're going to do this house hacking thing. Hey honey, I'm going on uh, some training. I'll be back. We're going to start this house hack. No, we're not. We're just going to stay here for two years. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to leave. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a major disruption there, but you know, you were able to, uh, to overcome that. And, and I love the idea of house hacking and converting one of the units into a short-term rental. I think that is, uh, something that is really overlooked. You know, you mentioned finding active duty passive income and, and I'm not sure you said you, did you read military house hacking, uh, the book? I, I, I read it in audio or no, was it a digital format so yeah the PDF. digital format mm-hmm. right yeah. i i read that actually while i was at that training we'd already bought the house like i i, I had no, known about it but yes i was reading the book actively while i was while i was doing it at the, the beginning of 2020 and yeah um, yeah kind of so kind of figuring that out but and then and number. then looking at the opportunity that you had and saying okay well 
I have this, you know, in, in, in the South, they call them carriage houses. And this is what I'm picturing, you know, a, a house behind a property. You know, a friend of mine did the same thing. Same guy, if you've watched our masterclass, the same guy I, I talk about who influenced me to get into real estate. Uh, shout out to Ray Northcutt, if you're listening. Ray had a same situation, bought a house with a carriage house in the back, rented it to a student on a short to midterm basis. That carriage house alone, which is a one unit apartment, not much bigger than Mason, your 300, maybe, yeah. maybe <laughs> 600 square foot, you know, little, right? That paid his mortgage. The entire mortgage. Then he house hacked each individual room in the four bedroom house. The dude was wow, dude was making money. So there are a lot of ways when we talk about house hacking, it's not simply, yeah. Especially when you talk small multifamily, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is, well, I'm going to live in one unit. I'm going to long term rent the other two units. You can mix it up. You can live in one unit and short term rent one and long term rent the other, and kind of have this mixed solution because that that diversification is going to is ultimately going to, you know, provide you more protection, you know, in the event of a downturn or downside. And the short-term rental model obviously is one of the most flexible models out there, you know, so long that, uh, that, that your local government supports it. So I'm glad you're finding success. And, and I understand Mason now, cause we're going to jump into the numbers on this deal in a minute, sure. but aren't you converting another one of the units, the other unit to a short-term rental? Right. So we moved out beginning of last year. My wife and I, we were having a child on the way. She wanted more space. Sharing a, you know, walls with your tenants with a crying baby is, wasn't our ideal situation. I was also transitioning into cell res, the selected reserve. So the weekend warriors. So basically making myself a little more active in the Navy, my Navy commitment. So mm-hmm. I did have sort of that as a reliance of, I started that, uh, years before. But anyways, that was sort of like the plan. And, you know, so if I'm going to not work at sea full time, then I needed to also have, uh, I wanted to also upgrade my Navy career and work in that. So anyway, so we, we basically moved out. My wife bought this house that we're currently living in now. Cause we actually eventually, you know, many years down the way, we'll probably rent this one out, this house here. It's a three bedroom, two bath and in a growing area in San Antonio. But we, uh, we basically lived in the triplex and we had some long-term tenants in there as the leases expired, as they wanted to move on to other properties. I started saying, well, we have this other unit, so I'm going to try Airbnb with it. And the deal was this, they, the tenant was actually moving out of state and they didn't want to take all their furniture. So what I did is, as I said, well, last month's rent, I can discount it, you know, basically by half and I'll purchase your furniture for like $500 or something. So I got the bed, mattresses, nightstands, TV, giant rug, couch, just a bunch of things to just get the Airbnb started. So I said, well, if this is not a sign that I should probably just, I should just do this because just getting the furniture, buying it, building it. First off, I, I don't like to spend too much time on, on property. I like to now sort of optimize and hire people to help me with with doing things like I don't do the cleaning myself I have a cleaning team I don't do my taxes myself I have a tax accountant you know like like I have I still am a quite a busy guy you know and if and I have to create these systems because if I do want to go out to sea for a set amount of time I can't rely on being there so I have to set the set up the systems and Airbnb almost allows you to do that and, and sort of forces you to do it should be working yourself crazy if you try to scale that. So, so basically that's what we're doing now. 
the the property just became live this week as we're recording it, and I have my first guest coming in this weekend. And so, and just yesterday, Emiliano was helping me at the house. I had to build some IKEA furniture. <laughs> I bought the day before. <laughs> Six month he, old. <laughs> he luckily, I had a friend come by and help me. My wife, you know, she's busy. She was running around as well, so that's why I had him start the podcast. But we basically. She had to go run some errands. I said, well, you can have to drop me off at the triplex. I need to build this Ikea furniture. And I had a, a friend of mine come come by and uh, and help me build the furniture. He was luckily sleeping most of the time. So I was going to say, he's, he's, he, he's helping you. Yeah, supervising. He's got, we call that supervising. Yeah, supervising, <laughs> yes. He was making sure the, the master bedroom was nice and cool and dark. <laughs> yeah, he's, he was helping you by not pooping his pants. <laughs> yeah, he did great. <laughs> he did great. How do you become a successful military real estate investor? It starts with having a strong squad and trustworthy mortgage broker by your side. Hey guys, Kevin here. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to help you fill out your real estate investment dream team. Whether you're looking to fund your first VA house hack, close on an out-of-state turnkey investment, or just have a conversation with a lender who speaks your language, make sure you reach out to ADPI's team of qualified mortgage pros. With a full range of tailored lending options, our team is standing by to provide active duty service members, veterans, and military families just like you all the advice and resources you need to close on your first or next investment opportunity. Click the link in this episode's show notes or simply text DEAL, D-E-A-L, to 33777 to get connected today. Now, Let's get back to the show. And we took out the trash. You know, but we're, we, we're, this week we're going to be doing, uh, I have to have my cleaners in there this week and some finishing touches. And we'll have our first guest in on Saturday. And there's, it's just so crazy. You, you can post something, like I posted it a week ago. I blocked out a few dates and I already had, I've already had five guests or inquiries. Some of these stays, they're requesting a 34 days 90 days, you know, starting March, ending in April or June or, you know, just these, the people that come to San Antonio typically have a reason for staying that amount of time. And I find that oftentimes they're, they want this location I'm in and, and primarily because it's just North of downtown. It is close to the Pearl, which is a, a big tourist, touristy area. People love to go shop there, eat there. It's a great place to hang out. It's right close to the river walk, caddy corner to the botanical garden and the zoo. It's just great for families, people who come here for business, leisure. And oftentimes I find that they must have a, a set amount of, you know, per diem per, like per se to spend. So I try to make my cost just below that. So they, so this, I'm getting people who kind of want the icing on the top, you know, from their company. <laughs> Cause I'm not offering a whole three bedroom, two bath house. I'm, I'm sort of offering a niche in my market, which is the one or two person place while they work. And, and I do allow pets. I notice a lot of people in my area don't allow pets at their places. And I got to say easily 70% of these guests request a pet, a small pet. Like I have a, a guest right now. She has a cat. And I'm like, cat's fine but there's a pet fee and airbnb recently added the pet fee option so i uh i have them pay the pet fee at the booking and then as they stay for longer i add an additional cleaning fee for like 
a reoccurring monthly fee for the pet. So, and they're open to it. People would want to travel with their pets and I allow them to do that and they can work here. And it's just a great, it's a great place to have, you know, kind of as you're like center in San Antonio, just the location is so great. And I just, as soon as we bought the place, I'm like, we're going to Airbnb this place someday. We're going to live in it first, but this is, this is too good to pass up. (laughs) We've got a great deal. I'd love to hop in real quick and actually go back to something Mm -hmm. you said earlier, which was just about your whole plan to house hack. And I have a question for you, for other people out there that might want to know, during the year of COVID, when you house hacked, how far ahead financially do you feel like that got you? Well, so I, I used the forbearance options. So initially it helped me. I actually, the reason why I took the forbearance plans is because I had expenses from not only that property and its renovation and also the the other properties i had some water heaters to replace air an ac unit broke on me that year so i kept par but but i had a lot of expenses because of repairs so if i had not done that and we continued to rent i mean yeah we would be going down you know 1300 a month to just to pay for our let's say the place we rented or or lived in um, previously, so it did. It didn't give me. It didn't get me as well ahead as I hoped because I did want to go out that year, go to sea during the summer, and continue my continue my classwork to be a captain. But I didn't end up doing that. I had my hands full with you know the, the COVID restrictions, and but it, it, it did. Does... It did keep me. It did keep me from going. Yeah. too far back. It does. Yes. Right. It does sound like, regardless, it, it helped you mitigate some yep. of the risk of other properties. Right. right. And be able to weather that storm, which, you know, when everyone has to make that choice about getting rentals, whether it's turnkeys or house hacking, you know, risk is part of it. And making balanced choices that puts you in a place where you're not taking on too much risk is is a positive thing. Yes. So, no, Vic, awesome. I'm glad you were able to. Vic, that's a that's a great point because Mason, that. I also took forbearance on one of my quads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when COVID hit, I had, uh, I mean, you know, all, you know, obviously it was a health crisis and and people had it way worse than us. So keeping that in Mm -hmm. mind, we're talking about losing a couple thousand dollars, but from a business perspective, you know, when, when, when COVID hit, I had just finished three brand new renovations. Yeah. I remember your story going live in March. Yeah. And I was like, crap. (laughs) Well, what happened was I had to, I ended up, we just slashed rents. You know, we were going to go for wow. $1,200 a month, you know, all this stuff. I think we had people in there for nine 30 and it, it's literally my manager today or yesterday, uh, emailed me and said, Hey, the guy who was at nine 30 countered at $1,100 a month. Like he wants to stay for $1,100 a month. And now we have these rents back up to market, wow. you know, and, but I took the forbearance options for the same reason to help cover down on, on some expenses. We took it for six months. We paid everything back. No problem. And, and we ended up uh, coming out, you know, like you said, you know, par and then, That's and fine. then on top. Yeah. But I'd love to briefly dive into the numbers on this triplex to give folks an idea of what deals look like and and how you creatively made it work from a cash flow perspective. So I'll ask you some lightning questions here and and we'll uh, we'll dig in. You ready? Yes. Let's see. Okay. If I can answer. All right. Well, yeah, and, and they don't have to be super exact, so don't don't sweat it. I'm not actually fact okay. checking you. 
Okay. Uh, all right. So triplex in San Antonio, purchase price? 320000 somewhere thereabouts. Okay, $320,000. Yes. And your your mortgage on this, so your, your uh, principal interest, taxes, and insurance, what was your monthly payment looking like? So my monthly payment, so it's gone up a little bit because we have increasing property taxes here. That's a constant battle. But sure. here in here in Texas, so basically how it looks is two thousand fifty four and twenty cents per month right now. I think initially it started as like eighteen hundred a month. Okay, so for for underwriting perspective, when you're looking to purchase a deal, let's keep it at, at eighteen hundred because that's that's what your mind's at, right? But it's a good point that you bring up that make sure that you're factoring in regular tax increases, and if you're using the the ADPI calculator to do that, there's an option to gradually increase your taxes uh, because taxes point, point to that always go up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, a point to that too because I noticed this with my parents they they own property here in San Antonio but they're really reluctant to raise the rent. So they're constantly having to fight with the tax assessor board. But if they would just do a, like a small 2% increase each year, it, it does all the difference. Just over time, incremental increases. That way you don't need to make a giant increase whenever you know you have a tenant in there for $900 a month. And then you say, well, taxes really increased. So we need to go to 110. And they're what? $200? Where'd that come from? So you do it incrementally. Yeah, and there's a lesson in there too about uh, about running a business and 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 keeping emotions out of it. Uh, you know, your rental property is your business, and you got to treat it like that. And that's why sometimes third party management is great because they can be the bad guy. <laughs> and you can even here's a here's a one quick hack before I continue the the deep dive. Even if you are an owner of the property, and you go and your tenant is like complaining about the rent or something, when you're talking to that tenant, you can say, "Well, let me talk to the owners." They don't know. They don't have to know. And you can go and just, you know, kind of shield yourself. And and the point I'm trying to make here is that I've heard uh, investors doing that in the past. I'm a big believer in in third-party property management. But anyway, so bought it for 320, a mortgage payment on this, about 2,000 bucks or 1,800 bucks. It's a triplex. The plan was you're going to live in it. So what was going to be your rent roll on that, on the other two units? So I had to assume it the way it was, which was nine fifty and seven six fifty, I believe, is what I got it at. But that the person in the small cottage was delinquent, and I said, "Well, you didn't pay the rent, so we have we basically had them move out within thirty days." And she had like cats and all this stuff. It was a big expense, so we ended up getting that rented. I think first we were around seven hundred, and then nine. 50. We kept those the current tenants in there for a while. So we were keeping... So w- once we the lease renewal came up, we had it so that it would at least cover our mortgage. And with the intent that we were going to be living in there, making renovations while we were there. We renovated our side. It's not quite nice. So we did get a new tenant the following November. So she was at 970. And then the guy in the back moved out. So we, we ended up sort of incrementally increasing the rent. Also, I did this interesting thing, which this could be part of the, this, I don't know if this is just specific to this house. So it's an old house and we found out there's only one internet router. So it was in our unit. So we actually had to create a Wi-Fi system. So we, we added an extra expense for like a Wi-Fi expense for the tenants. And they're saying, okay. well, this is great. I would otherwise have to pay $70 
and we said, well, we'll tag it on there for 30 bucks or four. I forget what it was. We've increased oh, it slightly. So you, you kind of kept the Wi-Fi like a mesh network. And, yes, and we meshed it. Brought them in, but you charged them like a, yes. a Wi-Fi access fee pretty much. Yes. Huh. So, and then we we had to pay for the whole water bill. It was not, it's not set up where uh, it can, you can divide that. So the water bill, we said the water bill is built in. We actually had a, we have a security system. So we added little bonuses to their, to their rent to cover the expense. Uh, my wife really wanted a security system when we first moved in. Just, I don't know, mm-hmm. first time having a house together. And so basically we passed those expenses on through the, to, to the to the tenants and now you know the the idea that we were going to go airbnb we said well having the mesh network is something we're gonna have to have set up anyways having security system is great too because i can know when the door is open and close i can set the se- security system from my phone so you know we were thinking ahead to moving forward with this property to do airbnb so we we basically have optimized the rents and then sort of added these add-ons that the tenants had while they were there. And yeah, I love that. So, so, you know, when, when we look at the numbers here, you, you got in and you effectively, your mortgage was about 1800 bucks. And and it sounds like you were able to cover down on your mortgage payment, which is, which is an ideal house hack. I mean, for people looking to house hack, listening to this podcast right now, that's kind of what you want. You know, you're Mm -hmm. very rarely, I would say it's not impossible, but rarely are you going to gonna like bring home a sweet cash flow check while house hacking i mean that's it's not impossible but it's it's more rare but the cool part is is that you're living for free and you have your other income coming in from whatever real estate your job whatever yeah anything that you would be spending on your living expenses rent mortgage that's going Mm -hmm. to save and snowball into another property into renovations on that property if you're preparing for an airbnb and 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 that's my question yeah like Mason, now that this is an Airbnb, so mm-hmm. for for our listeners, uh, the cottage in the back, you had it going before yeah. the last guy moved out to paying seven hundred a month, right? What's your projections? Seven fifty. Seven fifty. Sorry, so seven fifty a month. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah what's your projection so, re- projected revenue on the monthly model for Airbnb? So yeah. So on. So that, I don't know if there's a, a, a correct way to do. Airbnb projections. But what I'm doing currently is I'm taking my lowest rate, which let's say that so the cottage lowest rate is $55 a night. And I'll take that multiply it by 20. And so that comes out to 1100. Now the current guest I have in there is staying for like 100 days right now. So I'm making something like $1,400 a month. So the ideal number I came up with was, I want to make double what I would have as a long term tenant in there. I think the cap for that cottage is like around 750. I was about to go 800 mm-hmm. because the area is just like I said so great and it's so cute. It's like it was already built that way. Like we did some renovations and removed some things and and you know we've constantly improved and that's what we did with rather than paying our money to pay rent, we were we were doing things for the triplex like renovated the whole backyard, renovated some of the units, new paint stain the floors these are natural wood floors this is like an old house so it's really got this like unique charm to it so the thousand dollars a month or so we would put in rent we were sort of saying okay this project this project this project this project while we were while we were at home so so the cottage i project now let's just say 1100 the new unit it's a two bed it's a basically a two bedroom one bath it's 15 let's just say 1500 a month 
because I'm having that at $75 a night. And then we actually have the unit we used to live in. It's long-term rented for $1,000 a month right now. It could go wow. higher, could go higher, but I have, so the, some, the guy who did renovations for us, he needed a place to like, to like center, to like have a center of operations. And he really liked our old house that he worked on. So he's in there right now, sort of running. He's, he's rarely there. So it's kind of like an so in office total, almost it's, it's an office, but I, it's not commercial. Sure, 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 sure. So, so to avoid any issues, but basically it's a place where he needs to like, uh, he's a designer. So he has some of his material there and, and desks and, and just like a center place so that he can go and operate from. And so basically if we look at all those simplistic numbers, that's $3,600 minus the principal mortgage and taxes. So we're looking like 1550 cash flow in an ideal environment using the 20 day model for Airbnb projection. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you want to save some for some CapEx some you know, the, the, I mean, vacancy is built into the Airbnb model already. So that's great, mm-hmm. but you're talking, you're doing self-managing on this. So, you know, maybe save an extra three, three to 400 bucks. Long story, you know, long story short, you converted when you were living there, a break even house hack, which is a great deal living for free mm-hmm. into something that's given you about 1100, 1200 bucks a month by simply being it. creative in your space and, and, and kind of meeting the market demand there. So that's really, really cool. And of course, if you have people coming in that are staying for 90 days or 30 days at a time, you're getting a hundred percent occupancy, you know, right. so you're, you're pumping that cash flow uh, higher and higher and it's it's really really cool, and there's so many amazing tools that I've learned in the short term rental industry yeah. to maximize cash flow and, and reduce vacancy and, and all of this stuff. So, you know, we could talk about that forever, but unfortunately, we are running a bit short on time. Mason, thank you so much for breaking that down, though. That was amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a great unit, and uh, there's actually pay for use washer and dryers there too. So I get some quarter uh, oh, cash flow too. Okay, that hey, <laughs> yeah. that's great. I that's think. just another way. That's just another creative way to to create income uh, on a property. So that's that's really cool. So when we're looking at, well, yeah, we we kind of talked short term rental, and I think actually I think the best thing to do right now, Mason, is jump right into the bonus round because we got to hear it. about the bonus round. <laughs> do it. Uh, so in this, because I am joined by Victoria, we're going to have uh, not just me asking the questions, but Victoria is going to jump in and ask the questions, but. I will do the first one. And uh, Victoria, if you don't have the questions, they are in the, in the document there that, uh, that, that you have. Okay, you got the thumbs up. Okay, so question number one, bonus round, Mason. What book or software has really been crushing it for you lately? So I, one of my favorite books is The Cashflow Quadrant. After reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, that one changed my aspect on how I'm going to move forward. Er, initially, I was using Jason Hartman's property tracker software, and so there, it's it's there's a free version you can use that. Uh, I don't usually use it as much nowadays. So I'm, I, just, I don't buy Turnkey. I haven't been buying Turnkey that much lately. I've been working on Airbnb, so that's what we're doing. That's what I would recommend for that's at least awesome. beginning investors. Some some standardized property tracking software, and maybe you all offer some as well. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the, uh, we always, we love 
you know, books to get people started to build that foundation, books, podcasts, different educational stuff. And then when you're ready to take that step and become an action taker, obviously you can join our community, join our masterminds, multifamily, single family. If you want to learn all about that stuff, all you got to do is go to actdutypassiveincome.com slash resources to get, get that figured out. And of course, if you haven't gotten our book yet, you're listening to this podcast and said, ADPI has a book. Yes, we have a book. We have a best-selling book and you can get it totally a hundred percent, a million percent for free. Go to militaryhousehacking.com, www.militaryhousehacking.com. All right, Vic, you're up. Question two. Gotcha. Well, um, so I know you mentioned it at the beginning that when you first started reading, you found just, you started connecting dots between yourself and what you were reading, who you were reading, and and realized that there were so many possibilities out there. Uh, besides some of the books that you've read, who is your biggest hero? So- I like to say that first of all, I don't like to put people on pedestals, but I, I do have uh, do have some emphasis on basically specific people throughout my life that have helped me and just shown up at the right time. They know who they are. I think it's just sort of a growing relationship with my heroes. I do have a very important and mentor currently. His name is uh, Craig Horton. He lives in Medford, Oregon. I just met him for the first time earlier this year, actually, but we've been pen pals since about 2018, 17. And uh, he's really taken me under his wing. We communicate a lot. So currently, he's one of my biggest heroes. Yeah. it's awesome. That is incredible. That's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's super important, guys, to have to have mentors out there. And, and we talk about how to find mentors and all of this stuff. And the number one way, Mason, I'm sure you can agree, is just finding a way to add value to those people's lives. Mm-hmm. Life is not a series of transactions relationships are not transactional. They should be transformational. And figuring that out is uh, is hopefully uh, an epiphany moment for some listeners out there right now. Question number three, lightening this up a little bit, Mason, what do you like to do for fun? All right, let's lighten it up. I do love to run marathons. I've ran nine marathons. I know it sounds crazy that some wow. people like running. That is crazy. But That's what cars but are I, for. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... I started running uh, with a friend in college and I just kept up with it. And I have a marathon I'm running later this year. Finally, I had some marathons canceled because of, of COVID. So rescheduled them. I'm running for St. Jude's at the, in the Savannah Marathon. Also for real oh, casual. Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. Yes. Yeah. So maybe I'll come visit yeah. your properties. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Make sure they're still there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like to play this card game called Magic the Gathering. It's a, it's a little hobby and collector, uh, uh, I guess, hobby of mine, <laughs> if anyone knows about it. <laughs> awesome. Oh, right on. That's cool. Um, yeah, I know um, uh, my wife ran in the Savannah, the rock and roll marathon pre-COVID while we were still living there. And, she, you know, obviously she did super, super well, ran in college, all of awesome. that stuff. But like, <laughs> I was looking at her and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the, the but I, it was cool, you know, to see the other runners. Uh, so yeah, all the power to you, man. Nine marathons. That's awesome. Keep it, keep it up. All right, Vic, final question. All right. Well, what are three nuggets of wisdom you want to share with the beginner real estate investors that are listening? Today? All right. So the first one is pay yourself first. And this means pay your paying your future self goal setting and basically just having a positive mindset to whatever you're going through because that really helped me. So let's say I was on the ship, you know, just 
sort of in the routine, you have to think of yourself being the person that you're going to be when you get off that ship uh, or like what you're going to be doing. Stay focused on your work, but but keep a positive mindset. Don't get drowned in the tasks because we still, as real estate investors, can still get drowned in these tasks, but we have to think of our goal. Uh, and then take budgeting seriously. So like even if you're making a bunch of this deployment money, let's say, say this money is not for me. This money is for the property so that I'm going to purchase or this is for uh, the renovation project. So, you know, kind of segment what you're doing for yourself and what you're going to be doing for your future self. Big advice right yeah. there. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, thanks so much for 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 sharing those nuggets. I, I'm a big believer in thinking with the end in mind, which is uh, one of the seven habits of highly effective people. I think it's number four. Yeah. But I have the book somewhere around being, here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's somewhere around here. Let me grab it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where any of my stuff is. I, I live in a in a mess. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have a very nice organized bookshelf like Victoria does back there. I just have this stupid dinosaur succulent situation going on for folks that are watching this. <laughs> but no, I do love that thing. My wife got it for me. It's amazing. The the. The, the point is thinking with the end in mind and it, it allows you to uh, be focused on, on what's really important, what really matters in, in life. And uh, I think that kind of brings things back into focus when you're talking about goal setting and you're talking about your financial future and all of that stuff. Because you're right, Mason, it's very easy, no matter what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's very easy to just kind of do busy work to do busy work. And then yep. 10 years go by and you're like, oh, crap, I should have invested in something or I should have, you know, you're, you're approaching retirement age and you're like, Oh mm-hmm. dang, now what? So, um, yes. for those younger listeners out there, you know, think with the end in mind, think, think what, what, you know, what, what your life is going to be like after the military or after your W2 and, and start, start looking at those options now, because, um, like they say, you know, don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. And it is so, so, so true. So, yep. Mason, thanks so much for uh, for hopping on the podcast with us. If our listeners want to reach out and get in touch with you, where can they do that? So I can you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Marathon Mace, M-A-S-E. So there, or you can find me on Airbnb in San Antonio. I have a Superhost page. And, you know, that's... And, and also my email, which is M-Y-A-L-B-A-U-G-H h-o-m-e-s at gmail.com that's my all ball homes and if you send me an, uh, a message there mention adpi or if you want to book at my place on airbnb just mention adpi <laughs> and i'll give you a discount all right there you go Ooh, you go. the adpi discount phenomenal i love that i love that i'm gonna have to check it out I, I i haven't been to san antonio in a long long time i would go there to lackland to do some training, but, uh, never really got to enjoy the city so much. Mason, uh, thanks again, man. Thanks for sparing the time and and coming on the show and sharing your story with our listeners. Uh, I hope that if you're listening to this, reach out. I always say this, reach out to the guest. Our guests do not give their email addresses because they don't want to be talked to reach out to them, ask questions and, and, you know, just learn and and that's the best thing that's the best like the the most thing i want from this podcast every time i sit down and and produce it is talk talk to great people but to uh inspire others and mason i think you did a great job doing that today so i thank you well thank you kevin victoria for having me 
really just appreciate sharing. I learned so much when I share as well. So hopefully someone got something out of this. Yep. That's awesome. Well, we'll see you next time, dude. All right. Thank you. Another amazing episode in the books. Thanks so much to our special guest and thank you for listening. Don't forget to tap the subscribe button now to make sure you don't miss an episode or head over to our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to grab all of our free resources and discover how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today.